If you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, President (laughs) BJ Kramer, President of MCFA, and in today's episode, we're sitting down with Brian Zikafus, founder and president of Valiant Group and uh, fellow West Point class of 2002. Brian, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here. It's great to have you. Um, and I, I, you know, keep it natural. But uh, as we were talking right before the show, you're talking, you know, your your why. And I'd, I'd like to just start there because it's it's probably, you know, we could work our way back. But uh, we're always talking about inspiring people in places is our why at MCFA. And uh, you got into you got into the veteran side of that. So share with us your why and how you how you got there with the Valiant Group. No, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so from a purpose statement, you know, holistically or strategically, uh, uh, is my common thing with our employees or whoever I talk to is that why we are here is to build a better home front, uh, community, customer experience through a relentless commitment to employee development. Uh, that's really as what our Valiant Group's main purpose statement is. And our vision, the world we want in the company is where every transitioning veteran finds a new tribe, purpose, and voice. And the main focus of why it's such a big passion of mine is that one, I am a veteran, two, um, and transparency, which I'm uh, always transparent about this, is that, you know, I, I, I struggled significantly for a lot of different reasons coming out of active duty and then into the civilian workforce. And I, you know, you, for me, I, I found a lot and a lot of common things um, in, in dealing with or talking with fellow veterans or friends, um, whether it be who I serve with in third ID or also the um, you know military at large is it really comes down to culture. It's it's that team of how you operate, you know, words have meaning. So how we perceive or how I perceived, for example, accountability and how that is how that materializes on a daily basis, whether it be in a project or or design or honor or follow through or feedback, all those, you know, have different meanings. And for veterans, you know, and then for me, uh, where I said, you know, Hey, I'm going to provide direct feedback. And it was a lot different. You know, it was, uh, in in some instances, people didn't like the way (laughs) the direct (laughs) feedback because some of the engineers I was dealing with a lot of times never had direct feedback and I was doing it professionally, but, um, and so, my thing, and the main reason I, I ended up leaving a few organizations was because I just didn't feel my, you know, I didn't feel in, integrous or have that integrity fully whole within that company. And uh, and that's why, well, I'm going to go and start my own thing and try to create a culture that that uh, of great people um, that, that aligns with that. And so how we do that from our mission standpoint is we provide um, industry-leading construction solutions through transformation project, transformational project leadership and customer service. And so our, our competitive advantage and what I focus on is, is hiring great people through a clear process. But two, we do have a clear and definitive, we call it the valiant way of how we develop them, whether it be we have key books, we have key programs and how we expect our leaders to engage them systematically, weekly, and monthly 
to ensure they're growing. Um, and so like our brand challenge is choose, choose growth over comfort. You can't grow without being uncomfortable. So you got to choose growth over being comfortable. And we, every time we recruit or hire someone, we ask them, you know, if, you know, are you gr- going to commit yourself to growth and are you comfortable with being uncomfortable with us potentially asking you a question to shed light on something that maybe you haven't been aware of that is inhibiting your growth as a person or a professional? And if that's not for you, that's OK. Maybe this isn't the place for you. But if it is, I think it may be a good fit where we can both learn something from each other. There, there's so much to unpack there. Um I'm, I'm going to start with feedback because I think that is an area that, you know, in, in general, organizations can't get better if they ignore their problems. Uh, and people can't get better if nobody's out there identifying those problems or, or areas of weakness. And I'm with you. Like one of the big things um, culture wise that the army does is the AAR process. Yeah. Like, it, and it, it puts on us as the leader, like, immediately take ownership for the weaknesses in the organization and like ever, you know, the two uh, or two downs, one up, two ups, one down, whatever. But it, it makes everybody comfortable getting vulnerable about like, we're not a perfect organization. We're not perfect team members all the time. Like how do we improve? Yep. And the amount of people in the civilian world that are so defensive yep. about <laughs> like, how dare you question you know, it's like, not, I'm not questioning your intent. I'm not questioning your motivation. I'm questioning, was yeah. this the best thing for us right. to do? Not, yeah. not you did the wrong th- thing. It's like, how could we have done that better? Well, I couldn't have done anything better. Um, and, and Duke DeLuca, I, I don't know if we have, share him as a, a, uh, a mentor or, or your past cross with him at all. But uh, Corps of Engineers General, he shared on one of the podcasts a quote, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Uh, And it was part of his command philosophy. And I just like, I never heard that before, but it is the truth. It it is true. And, um, you know, going back to that, you you can't have any pride. So for example, you know, if you've ever been to a mission readiness exercise or to a national training center, right? It's a lot like, you know, I played football for the, for, for West Point. It's like watching film. You know, as we say, the eye in the sky does not lie, right? So if if the commander makes a decision, you can see he then maneuvers with a certain element that actually becomes the wrong decision. It's out there for everyone to see, and he has, he or she has to address it. And how they take that, you know, of you know of of taking that feedback because you. Again, you, you can't sugarcoat it, and then that that trickles down to to each level, and then like in the AR process, I think the military, which I, you know, I think they do a great job. I mean, of course, it comes with the, how each person facilitates it, but overall, from my experience, they do a great job of of immediately establishing the rules of saying, "Hey, there's no rank right now. Of course, be professional, yep. we maintain our courtesies and professional customs, courtesies, and everything." But there's no rank right now. Let's let's talk about it, and you would have. Uh, a specialist, you know, maybe say something about how I did something with the op order or how the commander may say something, you know, it goes each way. And there was a, as we say in our company, you know, we criticize ideas, not people because we're trying to get to the best way of doing things. So we're the most efficient. And then the military of course is to save lives while executing the mission as best as possible. 
couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, there's a lot, a lot we can go into around culture and project leadership. Yeah. I think both of our companies share that. But before we go, because you mentioned Army football, I don't know you before Army football. I only know you as Foos during Army football. Uh, and then what, what led you from, you know, graduation at West Point in 2002, which I believe you were the last, the last senior class to beat Navy prior to, uh, the winning streak, whatever, yeah. yeah, the, the losing streak on our, or the, yeah, there was a, a, <laughs> a drought like 12 years or something like that of losing. But we, before, yeah, we were the last 2001, we'll, we'll, of course we, we beat Navy, which was a great game and unfortunately went on a losing streak there, but, um, yeah, graduated, you know, had a great, great career, you know, um, playing football, which was, which was highlight, one of the highlights of, of being at the Academy. Um, and then, you know, directly went into it. Actually, I stayed six months as a, what was called a graduate assistant coach, which was, um, like, I did, a it, for, I did it for swimming. It was great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. It was a, uh, a job that, you'll never have again. And, uh, it was an amazing job. You're getting pay as an officer to be a coach, which was amazing for six months. Um, and, uh, it was funny because, you know, I got married right after West Point and I told my wife, well, she knew, but I'm like, Hey, this is not the military. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm home every day. I'm coaching, you know, and then, and then I end up going off to, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering. And then I went to officer basic course, uh, engineer officer basic course at Fort Leonard Wood. And, um, and then from there I went to Ranger school and airborne school. And then went into my unit at, uh, at, uh, third infantry division. Um, and actually became part of 315, 315 infantry battalion, because at that point, for some reason, the army and it's all his wisdom got rid of engineer battalions and we became just organic to the maneuver unit for a while. And I think since then they brought them back, but, Echo um, company, Echo company yeah, of a that's right. uh, same same thing. Yeah. So so I actually I'm trying to remember his name lacrosse player Chris uh, Woods? Chris Woods. I yeah. replaced I replaced his company uh, when he was third ID. We were fourth yeah. ID coming yep. into uh, Baghdad. Yeah, I, I was there. So when you you replaced us, right? Yeah, fourth ID you came and you came with the new ACUs and everything, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so right. so were you in his? Battalion? Yeah. No. Was I? He, he, I'm trying, I don't think he was my you, battalion. You guys were probably in the same engineering battalion, and then you got split out the different Correct. brigades. That's yeah. right. Yep. Um, that's funny. Small world. Yeah. Uh, our, our paths are very similar. Uh, I'm two years behind you. Athletic intern. I saw on your, <laughs> on your bio uh, you, you did the, you did the uh, co-op program at – University of Missouri. It was you, uh, yeah. Missouri Rolla at the time. Now it's Missouri University of Science Technology. Technology. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be the first graduating class from Missouri University of Science and Technology. <laughs> they um, were they were transitioning over, but yeah, it was that was a good program, you know. And uh, I actually um, didn't finish at that time. I finished it later because the Army said they needed my specific skill set now and didn't allow me to finish my master's and sent me to the 249th prime power battalion at Fort Belvoir, which was a great unit, very not exclusive, but very high level technical specific um, unit. You, know, you had NCOs that were, I was that company command for you. 
No, actually, I, I, I ended up not taking not taking company command. I got to that crossroads of for I guess a lot of different reasons. I, I talk offline, but <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got to that crossroads, and uh, there's a lot of different I'll say internal within the army at that my unit. But uh, I chose to 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 leave and go in reserves and, and follow that trajectory. Um, I had an interesting though. I mean coming back from Iraq and I actually went, went to, um, uh, went to SFAS special forces assessment selection, which was a great went 30 days, ended up not getting selected. Um, which is just, for me, it was just my, one of those steps in my path. You know, I'm glad yep. it, it was a great experience. Um, did really well. Um, but it was just one of those things. Hey, thanks, but no thanks. And, um, but in, in the end it was a great experience and just and doing through that. And, um, and then went to, um, yeah, uh, came back, went to that uh, career, captain's career course, and then went to 249th, and then I left active duty around 2009 and transitioned to the reserves. Are you still in the reserves now? I am. I'm actually a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserves. Uh, I have a, not too long left till, till 20. Um, I actually also went to, uh, I deployed again, but different mission with the Corps, Corps of Engineers. I was a resident engineer in, in Kandahar, Afghanistan, for about 13 months. And I oversaw the, all the construction, for the most part, on Kandahar Airfield proper uh, in, in, uh, on that air base, which was a great experience. Had a great team, great great folks. So we, we share that path, too. Uh, Although I was on active duty, I got to be a resident engineer for the Corps of Engineers during okay. base, base realignment and closure down at uh, Aberdeen Proving Ground. So, oh wow, okay. Instead of so, right after grad school, I was supposed to take uh, I was supposed to have return rights to four ID to take company command, and the command queues were full, and I started networking with uh, some of the district commanders, and I ended up getting by name requested to to Philly district to then become a resident engineer because they didn't have a green suitor on site. And it was, you know, a, a two-star command that was going to occupy the building. They just wanted somebody there. Uh, so fresh out of grad school, not a clue about construction. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the army way. Uh, yeah. Right. Figured out. Yeah. Baptism by fire. So, um, and, and I think, you know, from my perspective and I'm curious yours, my experience there kind of has dictated the trajectory of the rest of my career first first opening doors to the AEC industry, but yeah. also a lot of the lessons learned, a lot of the people I met, uh, a lot of the things I saw, both good and bad, have really, you know, I'll say directed the professional or the technical side of my career. Uh, I think the Army has been very uh, influential in the leadership uh, uh, and culture and core value side. Um yeah, what? I found that too with the Corps of Engineers. I from having that experience, um, just getting really in detail and becoming very competent in the in their process in that process, whether it be the three phase, you know, initial um, preparatory, initial follow up inspections, um, you know, the the procurement process of understanding how what the sales cycle looks like, what the procurement cycle looks like, who are how the core engineers or just the procurement contracting officer, how they're organized and, you know, the expectations and, and the FAR clauses and all that was, was huge. Um, and, and me starting up 
uh, and immediately when I started the company, immediately going in and, and tar- focusing and targeting the federal uh, opportunities, because I just felt, you know, comfortable with the terminology. You know, I knew, you know, what it meant, how they were organized for the most part, you know. Um, so it was, I agree, from, it was very influential. Uh, so you come back from Kandahar, is that when you started or did you have a, an interim? No, position? so I actually, yeah, so I, I came back and then, um, I got hired, uh, worked for PPL electric utilities. So I yep. worked for them for about seven years, um, six or seven years, started out as basically a construction manager that the title they call was construction supervisor and, um, did, you know, did well, I had a great, great, had a lot of great people I worked with. Um, end up getting promoted and kind of working my way up the ladder a little bit and overseeing the construction management area for the, for the, um, for the company. Um, and then went to this other kind of, it was like almost like a little bit of a startup called TransLink. And it was their way of trying to get into potentially the competitive transmission and not to get into that. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> it was a great, I mean, just the technical learning all that goes into building 69 KV to five, you know, 230 KV transmission lines, you know, greenfield, like new construction, uh, refurbishment, which you call brownfield substations, not only air insulated substations, but also like um, gas insulated substations, which you find that reduces footprint, you know, and dealing with some phenomenally smart and competent people, not only within PPL, but also the contractors, these, these guys and gals who, who build these things or who are transmission linemen are phenomenally technically competent. And it's amazing what those folks do on a daily basis, you know, and, uh, and that was a great experience and just understand. And then realizing kind of when I left there, um, how it's kind of specialized that technical knowledge is (laughs) in that field. Um, it, it, I, I feel like the more I get exposed to the industry and, and new parts of the industry, the more like you appreciate how yeah. how complex and complicated it is at the technical and tactical level, the operational and, and business level and the strategic and policy level. I mean, the, yeah. the, the number of moving parts, uh, you know, to get your to get your lights turned on. Yeah. The, the the common person does not appreciate the, you know, the end to end solution that goes into that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff, you know, every person has what we call a storm storm roll. Cause when storm hits, you know, you have to re you know, restore first and then repair, try to get all the lights on. But what those folks do and you know, what we did to, to maintain is it's a lot of work and um, they did, a, you know, continue to do, to do a great job. Um, but with, within when I was working, I actually started a company on my side. It was actually started out as a leadership company. Um, I knew I wanted to do something, so I did something on my side. I was just doing some a little bit of leadership um, coaching, engagement, um, just through some people asking me. And um, and really, that was a time, like I said, you can't give what you don't have. That was a time where I really ramped up my own personal development of just reading tons of books, um, getting more of understand them self-awareness always you know who am i which is a lifelong journey of understanding who you are as a who am i as a person and what i wanted you know um and i want to jump in there because i 
you know, you mentioned you mentioned early on struggling with transition from military. Uh, I certainly, and I say this all the time. It's like, despite every advantage I had in life, a good family, a good support system, a good education, almost too many opportunities transitioning. Um, you still struggle. Yeah. And it, it, you struggle finding the right culture, finding meaning in your work. Uh, certainly, you know, any demons that we brought with us, you know, back from deployment, right. losing friends and all that stuff. Like, I I think the only way to figure out what your path is, is that introspection and reflection. And, you know, it, because you said it before the show, and, and I'll say it now, uh, not wait till the end of the show, we'll say it again. But anybody transitioning uh, into this industry or other industries, Brian and I are both available uh, to use our networks, use our resources, and, and use our time to to help if you need it, if you need that. And and if you are transitioning, just expect that you're going to go through that kind of yeah. that thought process. Yeah, No, absolutely. And I I can't speak for everyone, but. I can. I always say I, I can only tell you who I am and what I know. And what I know is that in talking with a lot of folks like yourself or other veterans, the thing that I struggle with and a lot, I think a lot of us struggle with is the level of responsibility. So it's almost like going back to the Rambo movie, right? I was in charge of all this stuff and I was an important person. And you get in the civilian where, you know, it's like, it's just you and you're writing a policy and you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel like my life just went from (laughs) like extremely purposeful to, you know, down the tanks and you can't say anything like that because, you know, the folks who are doing that work, they find a lot of great pie. so it's, it's, it's almost trying to figure out who you can talk to to try to understand, Um, you know, like, you know, for, you know, you lead, nothing you guys don't know, you know, you lead guys and gals or combat or whatever, huge missions. And you come back and, you know, I was a, for example, a construction supervisor. I was just out there managing transmission construction and I got to really understand it. And then it became, you know, I was like, is this what my whole life's going to be? <laughs> Not that it's bad, but I'm just saying for me, and I feel like, I feel like a lot of us who have served, we all, we, why do we serve in the, because we want to be tethered to something, to a purpose greater than ourselves. Agree. And, and this is when some of the, uh, just being completely honest, some of the, you know, I would say some of the guilt and shame that comes in from a lot of the stuff of, I'm not living up to, you know, the, the folks that we lost over there. I'm not living up to what I should be. This, and this is all the crap that you goes through your brain, which is the bad stuff. I'm not living up to being a West Point graduate. This is not what I should be doing because I should be doing so much more of the world and the nation expects me to be X title, right? And blah, blah, blah. And, um, and a great book that really brought awareness and I'll, you know, uh, faith is a huge part of who I am, just being honest. And a book called Heart of a Warrior by Michael Thompson. I read that book. It was tremendous of just understanding where you are and all that stuff, all that bad stuff that goes through your brain is not, not the truth, you know, but yeah. in the end, you still got to put the work in and figure out, understand you can't, under, you can't go, you know, figure out where you are and why you got there and figure out, which is hard, where you want to be. Like, where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be doing? And in the end, it came, came back to, I want to be making a, 
an impact on people's lives. Okay. You know, how am I going to do that? Okay. What am I good at? What do I know? What do I enjoy doing? And I, and that, that's a process that doesn't happen overnight and writing down. And for me, it was continuously talking with, with my wife and, and this is the truth. So I started off as a leadership company because I just want to make an impact on people's lives. And it really wasn't working too well. I wasn't getting, you know, a lot of work and everything. And then I was kind of just going over with my wife, you know, we've been together for, um, 25 years, you know, high school, West Point, been married. For man, you are the old man. Yeah. We married, you know, be married for, uh, what, 19 years, um, this month. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. And, uh, I was bouncing this off of her and she said, why don't you start like an engineering construction company? And I looked at her and I was like, well, that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's exactly how it, cause it's just like, you get so in tune to it and you, you just get blinders and you need someone else to just outside perspective. A, yeah. Ask a question that's not even tethered to it. Just, and I'll, and honestly, that was the day I pivoted and just, I immediately started um, just on my own, looking at a potential opportunity, picked one. And then I spent months on an opportunity providing construction management services at a VA hospital and worked in that proposal, like for six or eight months. And, uh, I got it and we're still on that. Pro we're still on that contract, you know, almost three years later. Um, that's great. Yeah. Which is a launching point. So it's, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's a, so I would say any, to any person out there, like a veteran or whatever. And if you're not, if you have a feeling of discomfort, that discomfort's there for a reason. And the best way that you can only can talk for how, what my process was, the best way is that you, when you reach out to people you trust and, and, and hopefully maybe someone who is a season or two ahead of you in life, like a mentor, yeah. that's the best way to read and just spend time with yourself, understanding who you are, um, what you want, you know, and, and all those things and, um, trying to get yourself on the right path. You know, I would say there's a reason they call it a midlife crisis is because a lot of times people don't do that and they, they live in regret. This is my, my opinion, in my opinion. Hey, um, that's, that's what we're here for. Your opinion. And I want to reiterate, I, sh I share a lot of yeah. what you're saying and, and same process. And it's like, it, it feels easy to just, Blind yourself to that pain or that yeah whatever, um, but leaning in and digging in and figuring out why it exists is is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, any so I mean we covered a lot of ground here, but any specific leadership or project challenge, uh, AEC or not, uh, could be DOD, could be your Kandahar resident engineer. Uh, any lesson learned that you want to share with the audience? Um, you know, I, I would say, I'll just cause you say Kandahar, I go back to what the military taught me and which was, you bring these people, which is so true. You drink, you bring people so from so many different backgrounds, you know, you know, race, ethnicities and everything. And you bring them in and in the end you go as a, it's this way, they strip you down. Right. And you all are either green or or as we call it, you know, everyone's green right in the army. Um, but from that process of, of, for me, of realizing that everyone has, everyone's going through a journey or 
or something in their life. And two, they, 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 they do provide value. And so fast forward to where I was in Kandahar, I was having, <clears throat> which is not, you know, I was dealing with, uh, everything was fast track design build. So it was underneath one contract. Most, it was an American contractor, but a lot of the sub or design firms were Turkish. A lot of the workers were from, uh, were from Turkey or Egypt. And so all these different cultures and the leadership challenge was trying to get each of these subcontractors. And also, by the way, there was regulations or inclusions in the contract where the contractor had to bring in, had to utilize a certain of local labor. Yep. Which was a completely different, you know, there wasn't, they, they didn't have OSHA in Kandahar, Afghanistan, you know, outside the walls. Right. And, um, and so the leadership challenge was how do you, how do you, build a cohesive project team with so many different backgrounds on competency on ethics and everything else. And that was hard. And, and so the best way it kind of goes back to a book, you know, from John Maxwell, everyone communicates, few connect is find a common ground. It's on the leader to find and understand each person within their team. And it takes time and provide value to them and, and know and show them and communicate to them that we're all working for the same goal. I'm trying, I have a family, you have a family. I know you, that you're here away from your family because you're trying to provide for them. I'm doing the same thing, you know? And so you have those common things that you can rely on. And when you have someone that is extremely toxic, most, from my experience, most of them, are that way because they've been wounded in their life and wounded people wound others. And so the fastest that you can diffuse that by showing them that one, they do, they are valuable. They do a good job and you don't have nothing to prove to me except do your job. Usually diffuses. Now there are times when that doesn't work and you just have some folks that just need to be on their way and that happens as well. Um, yeah, but just, just understand for me is, you know, a warrior is a peacemaker is someone who has the wisdom has been there, has the skills to fight if needed, but doesn't utilize them as until a last recourse, because in the end they want to be a peacemaker who diffuses highly polarizing situations. And what, whether that may be on a project team because of different backgrounds, um, because in the end, by diffusing that you are able to build a team that accomplishes the goal that you, that you want to, you want to accomplish. That's awesome. I, I agree. I can't, I, I didn't have to do uh, construction in uh, overseas, but I, I can't imagine juggling all the pieces. I, I was attached to uh, as an IMA to Pacific ocean division mm. and just doing uh, stuff in, on the Korea Peninsula, South Korea Peninsula, you can see all that stuff coming into play, and and it's hard. Um, and yeah, it's, it's extremely hard. Um, and I would say also just from a leadership of what I've learned as well is um, of of being calm, even especially when you're dealing. With, for me, I guess from my experience of dealing with folks from different countries, just being calm because when you do raise your voice they know that it's something very, not yell, but it's something very important. Um, 
And also that I had to realize that there was a stereotype of American that was loud and boisterous and barky, kind of barky. And, <laughs> and so they already had that kind of implanted in their brain, which I came to realize. And they, they said later, so um, just being that kind of calm, even kill. And I, you know, go back to the leaders that I always looked up to, especially the military were those, were those ones that were very calm, extremely competent. They knew exactly what they were doing, but they yeah. were so calm, but very, they didn't have to say anything to know that they're the one that were, that was in charge. You know, what high, I mean? high EQ, no ego. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to move into like a, a Q&A accelerate session. Any any current events or society public policy issue you're you're actively involved in? I know you talked about veterans. Yeah, um, veterans is, is our main one um, that, that we're involved with. And I would say, I'm actually flying down to meet with Gary Bartels um, of Oath, who's one of yeah. our, yeah, to uh, meet with him and, um, you know, give a good little donation to that to that cause again, which is going to be great. Um, so that, that's our main, our main cause that we continue to focus on. Um, do you know where oath, what oaths, uh, website is? We'll give him yeah, a shout out here. Uh, yeah. Or we can, we can grab it in the uh, show notes. Oathinc.org. Oathinc.org. And what's yep. their mission? Is their um, outdoor association for true heroes, and so it's a faith-based nonprofit organization that utilizes uh, various outdoor activities centered around faith, family, community uh, to improve quality of life of eligible veterans. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Favorite quote and why? No. Oh. <laughs> There's so many. I should have done some planning before. I have so many. <laughs> you know what? I, I got a lot of different quotes actually I've written down, but the one that I've I've actually been kind of going to, I just from a in my in my brain for the past six months, I read through the I read the book Wealthy Gardener, which was part of the Lion's Pride, and the one quote that kept picking up that I keep kind of hitting at in the past six months is I'm summarizing, but you either go for it or you keep what you got. And while that it impacts me is as a leader and as a president or, or CEO, wherever you are, you, you know, you, you continue to build the situation as, but at some point you you're, you're discussing to, to get to a future state. And so at what point do you like in military, do you assume risk? And you go for it because you're trying to improve the status quo or on the other side of potentially for me of or talking with folks of someone who may be just in that victim statement, right. Of just completely complaining and, but they don't, they don't want to change their, their behaviors to change their circumstances. And I would say either, <laughs> you, you know, you, you either go for it, you either take the, put the discipline and consistency and the, the change your daily routine and go for it or, or you keep what you got. And if you, if you decide to keep what you got, then stop complaining. Yeah. I think that, you know, I looking at the industry, you know, first I'm I'm always talking about uh, enabling public leaders to take calculated risks. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, disrupt the status quo. How do we how do we innovate in the public sector? And you talked about federal acquisition regulation, and there's so yeah. many things that's, that that make people risk averse. Uh, you know, and this isn't where you were going, but I, I think it is in, in on the leaders of any organization to push the boundary and to improve the organization. Yeah, and leaders come in all colors, right? It doesn't matter what level you're at. Leadership leadership wears a bunch of different stripes. And uh, I think owning whatever's inside of your, in your sandbox, as we talk about a lot in the army um, and, and not allowing that, that mindset or that laissez faire attitude or that acceptance that eh, it's always been this way. So it's always going to be this way. Yeah. Cause um, it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're comfortable. I mean, of um, the organization becomes, you know, it, all of this is the stuff that we know, but when you're yeah. in it, you know, of sitting down and saying, okay, why are we using, so for me, like, why are we using two different, one system that really is antiquated or maybe it's cheap that, but we really don't need that, you know, yeah, we need to be something else. Um, or I know we're still, for example, you know, a lot of times I've found with um, engineering companies or just construction, um, you know, there's different levels of risk depending on industry. And, but for the most part, Hey, you're, you're being successful. You, you can, you've been successful. You looks like you're going to continue to be successful in this, maybe one specific market, whether it be a geographic market within the, the construction industry or whatever. Um, why not, you know, look at different, different markets and, um, and the big thing around there is why, you know, if it's, if it fits the, the risk averse or the risk appetite for the leader um, or the leadership, you know, again, you, you, at some point you take the, the, uh, the, you decide to move forward and then, um, to see what happens. Um, you know, I would say back in, you know, when PPL, for example, was started their huge capital build, um, you know, 10 years ago, they were ramped up at one point. Their peak was our peak was we were doing, I think like $700 million, almost a billion dollars in, capital construction a year. Okay. And it's easy to be, of course, as is, Hey, my name, a quarterback, but you see at these electrical contractors. Okay. Not, not who were already high voltage or linemen, these electrical contractors that maybe were just a commercial electrical who decided to get into the game early and build that competency to become a T line. They double, triple quadruple their, their earnings. Yeah. And, and the folks who did not, and I'm, I'm summarizing, you know, um, but for sure, the folks, the folks who didn't, you know, again, they, they kept what they got, but you can't help it. Probably if, if I was them, maybe if it didn't choose that, uh, they had a little bit of regret there because of the huge, and you, and you, you know, or, or be confident or be confident in why you're not taking that risk. Right. right? Um, and I think that's half the battle too, but the awareness that you're taking, you're not taking a risk, and therefore, you're leaving growth on the table individually, organizationally. I think, I think every every leader needs to be asking themselves that because there are times where growth is not the you know the change may be the need of that leader, not necessarily growth. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and I agree. I agree with that. You become so focused on growth that it, at some point it. And, and I think guys like us that, that have small businesses and we're trying to grow and we're trying to establish right. and diversify and, you know, some growth 
from my perspective for us is actually reducing risk because it's allowing us to diversify and there's a certain level of momentum uh, and inertia that comes from growth. Uh, but, you know, there may be a day where we're like, hey, we just want to stabilize the ship, uh, yeah, calm, and, and calm that, things down. And, and, and to use a football analogy, like our day as president or CEO of our companies may come where, you know, every, every, uh, every coach has a shelf life. I think every CEO and president does, yeah. too. Um, and I think we also have to be aware of that, right? There's going to be a time where we might not have the the vision or the energy to take it to the next level. Um, yeah, that that's correct. And, you know, you see that almost like a product maturation cycle. You had the same thing with the leaders, you know, at some point, yep. you know, whether it be kind of like, you know, you could, you could kind of scale it down to either a military or just a position that you've had. And once you kind of figured it out and you've, you've come up with all different ideas to make it efficient or um, as they say, top tier or top quartile or whatever. Right. And you, you're kind of out of ideas or you just, you kind of lost that drive because it's not really invigorating you anymore. Then you need to ask yourself, you know, is it time to move on to something else? Um, Absolutely. All right, jumping. We got we got all that out of a quote. <laughs> uh, must read book. I know you uh, you mentioned one, Faith, uh, Heart of a Warrior. Yeah. Any other must read books? Yeah. So we have a key key books within our leadership program, but you know, the, one of the first ones is is Fifteen Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. Um. And you then, mind if we mind if we share all your books from your uh, leadership program to the group? Yeah, absolutely. So, fifteen invaluable laws of growth. You know, I have it right here, just as a. And that's a John Maxwell. Um, yeah. And then um, we'll just we'll link the rest of them if you have a if you have a doc that we can we can link to. Oh or... yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Five dysfunctions of a team. Oh, I love that, Patrick yeah. Lencioni. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deliberate Discomfort by actually Jason Van Camp, who's actually a, a classmate, classmate uh, football he's, player, right? He's a fellow West Point football player. Uh, he's a 2000 grad. It's a great book. I actually immediately I read through it immediately because it was it just spoke to me and exactly you know I actually was using that term OODA loop before, but um, including that, it's a great book. There's um, there's a uh, there's a chapter. That, that talks about, I think it's his first day sitting down with like yep. the SF major and like that, that engagement is like, I mean, every, every leader should read that chapter alone just to, to hear and feel what, uh, right looks like and what yeah. expectation setting looks like when somebody comes into an organization, like and, yeah, unbelievable. Correct. Yeah, of, of him sitting there, which is so true. Of, um, I've actually, I actually take that now. I, you know, I'm caught by you know, sitting down of, of saying, you know, hey, I believe in you. Everything you've done to this date has gotten you where you are. You have everything to be proud of. Um, and also, I have some things that I want you to do to show, you know, so you can earn my trust as well. You know, simple things, and it's part of that process of. Of, of, of being trust and it talks about 
you know, you can't, you can't give trust or, or develop trust unless you trust yourself. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's just, those are just some of the other things. Um, but there's, you know, I have a, I have a list. Yeah. A, the, yeah. Five dysfunction team, 15 viable laws of growth, deliberate discomfort, um, heart of the warrior, uh, the big leap. It's a good one. Yeah. And that's around continue to understand who you are. And then the last leadership one, well, within our program, because we can't use a lot to include, but the last one is 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. That's a John Maxwell is one. And then from a, a systematic standpoint around, which I know you guys know these books as well, is is Traction by Gino Wickman, which I have key leaders read around business systems. And then for each employee, they have to read what the heck is EOS, which is more of a, a summary of what that system is. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of EOS. I, th- I feel like I feel I, the E-Myth was was always a good book to like think through. Uh, and this is more on the business ownership or, or business entrepreneur side, but to think through the, the roles of the the visionary, the technician, and the and the um, manager, but I feel like EOS and Gino Wickman put a framework to actually operationalizing all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was tremendous. I mean, the, the tactics and, and things were are just great. And uh, and I just want to say uh, one key book that, as a veteran, that I would highly recommend um, is called The Tribe by Sebastian Hunger. Yep. Um, it, for me, it, it put into words why I felt the way I felt, (laughs) why I felt so uncomfortable and just frustrated. And it just gave so many examples of, like, you don't have to be a veteran to feel that way, but just in that aspect of around the culture and what it means to be part of a team and around, you know, the military and what that does. And, you know, it's, it's a great book. All right. Legacy. What do you want on your tombstone and how do you want to be remembered? I have a, I have it written down that I have from my one page personal plan. So let me, if you give me a couple minutes, if that's or seconds, I'll kind of bring that yeah, up. Absolutely. Okay. Um, here it is. So on my, on my tombstone, uh, here lies Brian Zigafoos, a devoted man of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, jo- who chose discomfort to follow God's path. By trusting in him, he accomplished and achieved success in every aspect of his life. He lived a blessed life, which included 70 years of marriage to his bride, Kimberly, who was his first and only love. Brian loved his wife as Christ loved the church, and she loved him with all her heart. Together, they sowed seeds of wisdom, grace, and love in every place they lived or visited. From their extraordinary bond, Brian and Kim changed the lives of thousands of people and created communities of true friendship that will live on through the ages. That is unbelievable. That is me, trans, open and transparent. <laughs> I, I I love it. All right. Even though you're a Steelers fan, in the, yeah. uh, in the words of Andy Reid, the time is yours. Uh, what would you like to share with the audience, AEC community, transitioning vets, future employees, um, time's yours. Well, um, from an AEC, uh, community, I would, you know, 
I loved any interest or just I'm continuing to read as, as a leader about just how one of the big things in construction is continue to plan around the, the high demand of key technical trades. And we're seeing even more, um, I would say even more in the mechanical side of finding great subcontractors um, as a general contractor. And I've read a lot of different things, you know, of course, there could be some conflicting opinions or conflicting data, but I've learned a lot of different um, information saying that the demand of key trades, whether it be mechanical or electrical, is going to continue to go up. However, the supply looks like it's either going to stay flat or potentially go down year after year. And so how do we potentially as general contractors um, or within uh, turnkey, whether it be design build, CM at risk, how do we deal with that? Knowing that if I'm a, if I'm a sub, uh, say I'm a small business um, sub or potentially a medium sized business, say mechanical contractor, I guess for me, it's a good thing I'm getting my door beat down, but I can only do so much. Right. And so how do we help our subs increase their bandwidth, their productivity so they can then help us? Um, I think it's, it's, it's continued to show itself. Um, and then organizing that, right. Of, I just was talking about, you know, how do you continue uh, my team this morning, you know, increase revenue velocity of getting all your key people, stakeholders, once you're awarded a project on site, so you start doing work, that's easier said than done. You know, we all know that because every sub has their own planning cycle. They have their own crews and, and, you know, you may get a, get a notice proceed, but you may not have that key sub on site for two, three weeks after you get NTP. Um, and that continues to, I would say, be a struggle. And there's a lot of things with that. And, and, and coupled with that is, of course, a lot of the material delays that we're, we're all um, experiencing, whether it be fixtures, um, windows, you know, uh, any type of uh, finishes, delays continue to, to show and show up unexpectedly. So, you know, if, if someone sees this, you know, I love it. Any other information or potentially discussion around it? Um, I think it's something we, we're continue for me is we talked about is of almost like warming your bench is that engaging your subs. Once you know, for example, you may be a parent winner that continue to warm your bench, warm that subcontractor or your trades or your stakeholders. So they know that, Hey, this is a potential start date. You have your, your company fresh in their brains. So you have, you, that you're in their planning cycle for their yeah. crews is, is, is critical. Um, and then the other side, I know BJ, this is extremely near and dear. We've talked about it is from a professional services is growing up and, and getting your pipeline of professionals and that technical expertise within your company. I mean, it's, you know, um, people are stealing, not stealing, but, you know, offering higher wages and trying to get the best people. And how do you, you know, how do you, find almost as you, I think you talked about or, or said the term, you know, just in time um, yeah. hiring, right? Because you got to balance that overhead. You, you know, you don't want to have someone idle and not billing out and your utilizations 30%. You know, you want to be able to have a contract, but also with professional, whether it be a CM or engineering, especially those owner reps, that person is your company. Yep. And, <laughs> 
you know, how that person interacts, how that, what that person's leadership ability level is, that is your company. And that is how that client sees your brand. And it's so critical. Um, and, and it, it, we put a lot, I know you, we put a lot of effort trying to find the right people. Um, and it can be, it, it continues to be difficult. So, and a lot of time and resources. On that note, I mean, you hit some of the biggest issues I think facing the industry. Um, from from a strategic standpoint, I think that the macro trends are retiring workforce, yeah, um, and not a ton of talent coming up behind it. So, how do we make the AEC, the infrastructure, uh, energy industries attractive to young people? Give them career paths. How do we train them so that they, you know, that that knowledge gap doesn't happen because of an aging workforce, but that we bring young talent in for, for that aging workforce to, to hand over yeah. uh, that talent. I mean, it, it's a huge if issue and it's going to get worse because of, you know, as good as the Biden infrastructure investment plan uh, mm-hmm. is going to be for the industry. Are we going to be able to respond as a, a macro industry to the amount of opportunity? Um because one of the biggest things I always talk about is it's great to pass all of that money if we can deploy it and invest it appropriately and effectively. And if, yeah. if projects stay in standstill, which gets to another issue is our agencies, if they're able to contract it quickly enough, that gives small business and big businesses enough predictability. I mean, we've waited we've waited 18 months to get an award on a contract. Like, you know, half the people that I, I may have presented in that opportunity are engaged on other projects and yeah. it's uh, extremely difficult. Um, so I uh, agree. Um, and, and Brian and I've also talked about how do we, how do we help transitioning vets get into the AEC industry and uh, are there ways we can train or at least expose uh, and, and maybe we'll kick that one around. No, yeah, that that's a key one. I mean, if you're a veteran out there and and you have, um, I'll say a, a degree, or even not, or have a construct, you're a senior enlisted potentially, and have a lot of potential leadership background. Um, there's a lot of you may not think so. There's a lot of opportunity for out you out there for you to become um, skilled in doing a key piece or key function within the uh, in the AC industry. I mean, you may not be a professional engineer, obviously design, but you more than heck could be a project manager, a site superintendent with the right, you know, um, you know, development, you know, um, because I would rather I say, you know, I'd rather have someone who has that great leadership abilities and skills and that um, awareness of how to bring a team together and teach them, you know, within reason. Um, the technical the technical piece, you know, uh, any day, as opposed to someone who maybe has that experience and it is very difficult. You can't talk to them. Usually it's a guy from my experience. You can't talk to them. You know, you can't say anything to them. They know everything. Oh, it just, you know, that doesn't last. That doesn't help, uh, anything. <laughs> so absolutely. Agree. Anything else to close us out? No, I appreciate it. You know, I look forward to hopefully continue conversations, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that are pressing in the AEC industry and especially with an influx of money. Um, I'm hoping there's not some type of huge inflation with, with salaries that in order to keep people in our organizations either. 
of I beans. I think we should uh, we should kick around ideas that we can present at the uh, Sammy Small Business Conference. Co-present. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> awesome, Bri. Great, great having you on the show. Um, go Army, beat Navy. Go Army, beat Navy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks, brother. If you enjoy this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Bri, where can uh, they find out about Valiant Group? You can uh, reach us on our website, valiantgrouplink.com um, as well uh, as, our, as our main way. And it has all the information, our services, and why we are, you know, what we, why we do what we do. Um, and, and some contact form or is our, our company phone numbers on there as well. Awesome. And then be sure to visit my website at www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. And uh, if you want to learn more about MCFA, uh, our approach, which is the DNA, and take a look at our case studies. Last but not least, we are hiring. If you or anyone you know are looking to work in the planning, project development, project management, or construction management field, contact us through our website. We've got, uh, we've got openings available. Until next time, have a great rest of your week. Thanks, everybody.